Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, clear to the left and slide directly into the South Tower. Okay, we've had a national tragedy. Two airplanes crashed. Two more trains. Apparent terrorist attack on our country. It's a horrible, horrible tragedy. Thank you. 
I'd like to welcome everybody to this 9-11 episode of Political Straight Talk. I am the host, the Political Superman, and I am coming to you live from the face-off between the West Side Rebels and the Two Rivers Gators, where currently the West Side Rebels are kicking their patoots 38-6. to six. Wow. Now... We're in the third quarter, and our team is about to score if they don't get another holding penalty. So tonight, to start off the program, one of the things that we're going to do is I would like for everybody to talk about where they were on 9-11, what their thoughts were in the hours and days after 9-11, and then we'll go from there. So, Barbara, you moderate and start with whomever you want to and go around. Well, I'll go last. Um, Mark, would you like to start off? In 2001, I was actually a substitute teacher for a local for the local uh, primary school. It just so happened that my mother, she was uh, she had surgery earlier in the month, and I was taking her place in her classroom. Well, she uh, ran the computer lab. And early in that morning, I'm I'm getting ready for 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 the kindergartners to come in. And the classroom has a telephone, had a telephone in it. And I got a call, and it was my brother. My brother was also at home. He had just broken his leg, so he had, uh, he was, really dead bound because of the injury. And he calls me up and he just starts talking about going after them and all kind of stuff about, and I'm not, I don't know what's going on. Well, I end up uh, calling my mom right after I got on the phone with my brother to find out what was going on. And she said, uh, there was a plane that just hit the World Trade Center. And actually, there were two planes that hit both towers the World Trade Center. And I was I was shocked. Pretty, I was pretty well shocked at that point. Trying to think what the hell was going on. Well, being in the, in the computer lab, I had access to the Internet. So I tried getting on Yahoo. Because at the time, that was the home page. Again, on Yahoo and the news is, and, and everything on there, it was, just, it was just horrendous. And over the next few hours, trying to get news from the uh, from the internet, and you try not to alarm the kids about what's going on, but there's that that thought in the back of your head, like, what the hell just happened? And no, there's no television in, my, in the classroom. There's just the internet and at that time, Jakob, uh, 19 years ago, you can, y'all remember how slow the internet was and how slow it was getting refreshments on your computer. There was no cell phones like there are now. It was, it was just <clears throat> you, you're in an information vacuum and you're just trying to get as much information as you can. And at the same time, you're trying not to alarm these children that, that are coming in and you're teaching these children. So when I, I got a break 
between classes, and I went to the library, which is the next building over. The, the library had a television, and I walked in. There's the librarian was crying, and she goes, um, "People were jumping out. You can see them jumping out that building, falling a hundred stories because they had to die on the on the pavement." Then being burnt by the fireball. <clears throat> and by the time I, I got to the library and I was able to watch the news, uh, the, the, one of the towers had already fallen out, and I believe the other one was close. And I'm just standing there in disbelief of what the hell had just happened. And then you get, they, they break in the news that they hit the Pentagon as well. And then there was another plane missing. And at that point, you're trying to you're trying to stay calm and you're trying to get as much information as you can. And at that point, there was there was there was a few planes missing. That there, there were some, some that are going to attack the White House. There were some that are going to attack uh, on the West Coast. There was there was all this information that and all this speculation that was being done because people didn't know what was going on. Except that there were two fireballs where towers used to be, and there was a huge hole in the Pentagon. And then a little while later, there was a uh, a plane that crashed in Pennsylvania, which they think was heading to Washington, which probably was. It was probably heading to the Capitol or the White House. But that whole day was just surreal. It's something you would see in a, in a horror movie, really. And I, I spent the next two weeks watching the news, trying to gra- gather as much information as I can, I could. That was that that was the most surreal moment. And I think that's the I think that turned me that, that turned me into the conservative I am now. That, that that caused me to become educated within politics, within government, within foreign policy, the, the things that I studied in college. That was the moment, really. It's just, I don't know, it, it's just, it's still surreal to talk about it now. This is 19 years later, and I know exactly where I was. And I remember the, the exact images that I saw on the television, and I was able to get there. I, I can even remember the, the uh, <clears throat> the uh, the home page on Yahoo when all this was going on and it was uh, it's 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 one of those things that you will never forget where you are and you will never accurately be able to describe it to the people who weren't there never did experience it's almost like it's like Katrina it's like any horrible disaster that's affecting that, that, that ever, that's ever affected you, you're going to have it burn in your memory. And those towers falling down, those, those planes flying into those towers, that's something that's burned on my soul forever. And I believe it's burned into a lot of American souls. So I'll, I'll yield back to Barbara. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Bob? Well, I was at uh, Fort Leavenworth, and that particular time we were in an auditorium 
getting some kind of briefing. I don't remember what it was about, but they were able to uh, tie in to CNN, and there were TVs in the in the auditorium. And basically, um, you know, we sat there and, and watched it happening. And um, you know, feelings, um, you know, shocked, anger. Um, knowing that especially, you know, well, not just the Pentagon, but all of it, the loss of brothers in arms and brothers and sisters and and um, then the anger and the anticipation for payback. And, uh, you know, Mark said most everything else, you know, as far as, you know, what we were watching and what we were seeing. That's where I was at and what I was thinking. Um, I'm going to leave Fabian off. Go last. I was <clears throat> working for the VA um, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee on Alzheimer's unit. Um, some reason, I always keep the TV on at night, a light night, night, night light, whatever. And at that time, I was a fan of MSNBC. Now, I can remember, MSNBC and CNN were not like they are today. Then they were a news program, and they actually delivered the news. Um, so I got up for some reason. I'll never know why, uh, to get a glass of water. And I came back, and I looked at the TV, and the North Tower of the World Trade Center was on fire. And I went, I thought I was watching a movie. And I said, oh, my God, what happened? Um, so I sat there. And then the other plane hit. And I was just beside myself. I started to cry. I I knew we were under attack. Then as the minutes ticked by, I forget who was the reporter at that time, but he said there's just been an explosion at the Pentagon. And I quickly got on the phone and called my friend down in uh, Decker, Tennessee, and told get up, get up, get up. We're under attack. So I watched the news, heard about Flight 93. Of course, I'm still crying. Now, my, my brother at the time was a salesman and used to travel by plane a lot. Well, I couldn't get him on the phone, couldn't get his wife on the phone, I finally got my nephew on the phone, and he said that, don't worry, he's okay, he's on the ground, you know, and of course, that's one panic situation over. Now, VA, we immediately went into lockdown uh, when I, I was working the second shift that time, and um, it was strange to 
come into the uh, VA entrance, and of course it's blocked by police cars, and you had to show your badge to get in, and we were all given callback numbers, you know, in case something else happened that we were on on call. So it was very surreal after that. Because when we would go outside for a break, all you could hear is silence. No planes, nothing. It was just, I've never cried so much in my life. And it was truly a horrific, horrific day for all of us. Um, and the weeks that followed, you know, you're almost in shock, almost. And I asked my my sister-in-law at that time, and I said, is it possible that I could have PSTD? She said, yes, you could. You know, even though it didn't happen to you directly, you know, if you're feeling the effects of it because, you know. So... I still remember it every year. I still get melancholy. Um, give all those heroes that died that day. And I'm glad that President Bush was in office when it happened. Fabian? Yes, I'm here. I was watching my son. He was on the kickoff team. Okay. Anyway, um, so, you know, the truth is that, uh, you know, my story's been told over and over and over again, so I'm not going to bore everybody with that. I'm just simply going to say that 19 years later, okay, well, our team just intercepted the ball. Uh, anyway. Um, by the way, for those of you wondering, that was Amanda over here screaming. I wish you would the tell team. the story. I wish you would tell the story. Oh, it takes forever. But um, well, I, I haven't got anything to do. I, I will tell you that that probably the hardest moment, and there were two. One is to see the expression on. Andy Card's face when Andy Card told the president and the expression that was on his face. So that was number one. Well, you got to explain uh, to number, people that you were there. Number two is, well, most everybody that listens here knows. So, I mean, it's not, well, there's another holding call against our team. Hold on just a second. I apologize, guys. Uh, anyway, hmm. Anyway, so that, and then the second moment is when the the towers actually begin to fall. 
And so that that became the important that became an important moment because that made it real. Until that point in time, even though we had been moving and got up in Air Force One and was was being shuttled around, it wasn't real until you see the building sign. And so that is, you know, that's kind of what sets it. Now, what happened after that, what happened during that, there's been been a lot of debate. And, you know, I don't, we, we can debate that another time. But I, I think that our biggest issue now is that we have forgotten we have forgotten about 9/11 and we have forgotten what happened and we've forgotten how easy it could be you know we've been through now we're on our third president since it happened and a whole new generation of kids are coming up or coming out of school um, as a matter of fact this election is the first election that the children born of 9/11 will be able to vote in. Wow. Right. And I think that, I think we have forgotten. Darrell Worley says it best, you know, he says, have we forgotten? And I think that too many people have forgotten. I watched today and listened and, and you know, even some of the younger ones think it's a holiday. And not in a somber way either. And I think we need to be very mindful of those things. And I think those of us that lived through it and and felt and saw the fear and the anger and the, the rage need to make sure that a new generation that's coming up now know not to hate people because it was an ideology, not a race, that caused this. And we just need to be, we need to be vigilant because we are, we are a beacon of hope and a beacon of freedom. We are the last remaining beacon of freedom. Right. And so the other day, Lexi comes in and she has this paper where she's going to do an interview. And she wanted me to answer some questions about 9-11, so I did. And I realized that all kinds of school kids now are being taught this in an abstract way. And, you know, we've been fortunate that in the 19 years that have followed 9-11, we have been relatively safe and relatively uh, free of terrorists as far as 9-11 scale goes. But I'm afraid that, you know, history forgotten is bound to repeat itself. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to, I think we have to learn 
to be vigilant even when it's hard not even when it's hard to be vigilant and to stay the course even when we feel like that staying the course is a bother or a pain and so that's that's kind of my thoughts on it as as far as that goes all right does anybody got any questions on this yeah. Yeah. Oh. Mark, you Who's going to talk first, me or you? No, I'm go sorry. Ahead. You go. Go ahead. Okay. You know, you mentioned that the thing that we need to remember, and this is the very, it's very hard, is that it is an ideology, not a race. And that is a very key thing that I don't think a lot of people understand. Uh, Islam is not a religion. Islam is a political, a political doctrine. And the thing is, that ideology is still out there. And we still have to be aware of it and, like you said, cognizant of it and on guard. Hey, Mark, take over for me just a moment. That's and I'm I'm sorry, Bob. I'm listening. Well, but well, that's it. I mean, it's just like I say, we. It's an ideology. It's not a race of people, although um, that's very hard to uh, differentiate because uh, you know a lot of things can be said. You know, they were all young Muslim males that did this and that's been our biggest enemy in uh, the Middle East and uh, it's sometimes it's very hard to separate separate that and until you know they want to get along and uh, cooperate or you know basically get along and I think uh, um, you know the thing today with Bahrain and the other day with the UAE, and then also even with Serbia and, and Kosovo, uh, those are all positive steps to uh, hopefully bring an end to a lot of this. Thank you. <laughs> um, Let's see. Okay. We've had 19 years to think about this. Now, the last event like this to happen American history would be Pearl Harbor. We all know what happened after Pearl Harbor. Seconds after we had had a declaration of war, we went to war on two different continents. Yeah, the difference was, Mark, that Pearl Harbor, Hawaii at that time was not a U.S. territory. Yes, it was. It was a territory. It wasn't a a state. It wasn't a state yet. Yes. It became a state in 59, but that's not the idea. The fact that a a government declared war on America, and that was their attack. And it's the same situation. You have a people who decided to declare war on America. And they didn't need a flag. They didn't need a, a constitution. They didn't need anything. They were a bunch of ragtag freaks who decided one day that we were going to go attack America. And that's how they did it. They did it with flying missiles flying bombs 
And over the last 19 years, we've, we, we, were the, we were the wolves. We were the ones that were hunting for the next target, for, for the next attack. When is it coming? And we've, the idea that this has been so far ago, this is so long ago that it, it, it leaves our memory. That's the unfortunate thing. We've gone from the wolves to being the sheep again. And I hate to say it like this, but it, it, it will take another terrorist attack to bring the country together like they were on 9-11. And believe it or not, 19 years ago to this day was really the last time this country was unified as one people. Ever since then, we have had politicians who have tried to divide us and conquer us in so many ways over the last 19 years. And you look at this, and you, you, you say you're at, you're at a crossroads at this point. Because what it means to be an American and what it means to be free, it's not an idea, it's not a concept to the rest of the world. Yes, you may have, you have countries that have freedom, quote unquote freedom, but you don't have American freedom. You don't have the legacy of men and women who fought and died for the flag, for the anthem, for the nation, for the idea of the nation. And what you have today, on this day, 9-11, you have a reaffirming of what it means to be American. Because when America was attacked, America got together and we fought back. <clears throat> and now we're being destroyed within. It's not going to take Middle Eastern terrorists to come to American soil and destroy American buildings because we have that going on now within our own borders, within the, with the people who are trying to destroy the borders because their power trumps everything else. I think today is a day of reflection of where we were in this country, what we are now in this country, and where do we want our world to be for the next 19 years. 9-11 <clears throat> should be our second Independence Day. But that's the way I look at it. It's the second Independence Day because we had a taste of loss. We had, a ta we had the idea of we not knowing if America was going to be able to hold itself together. And at this point, it's still, we're still at that crossroads because we have one part of the country who wants something totally alien to the American ideal. And then we have the rest of the country who look at what's going on in this country and want the best for themselves and for their children. It was Reagan who said... To, Freedom is only a generation away from tyranny. I'm paraphrasing that, but those words are, are as true now as they ever were. In American history, we have had our ups and downs. We've had great civil wars. We've had great world wars that we have fought in. But what, what, what happened 19 years ago really defines us as a nation and where we go from there. Like I said, we are at that crossroads where we can go radically to an alien way of, an alien thinking for America, 
or we could become Americans, real Americans, and live by the values in which the founding fathers fought for and died for. It's hard to realize that you have men and women who have just gotten out of basic training in various armed forces, and they're being shipped out to Afghanistan or wherever in the world. And these people were not born during 9-11. They were born right after 9-11 or a a year or so after 9-11. You have people who have no idea the concept of what it meant for those planes to go into those towers. It's it's an amazing thing to think about. It's also a very devastating thing to think about because we we were at that crossroads. Uh, Barbara, you have to say anything to say? No. I think, yeah, I agree that we've become, a lot of us have become complacent. Uh, I still think about, in the back of my mind, you know, is it going to happen again? I remember in the 90s when the FAA wanted to initiate tighter security. It became hysterical. Oh, sure. They're not going to do that to me. They're not going to pat me down. They're not going to do this and that and this and that. And then 9 11 happened. So. You were always just so, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, They can't see the forest beyond the trees. You know, they can't see that that extra security could have saved lives. Uh, That extra security could have stopped Muhammad Atta and his 18 you know, friends from coming over here because one of them was stopped. Uh, One was switched at the last moment because he couldn't get a visa into the country. And um, so Bin Laden had to pick somebody else to replace him. So, but the thing... You know, a lot of those people, terrorists, they trained in Venice, Florida, which is shocking to me. Venice, Florida is only a small little town, split, and probably that's why it was chosen. Give me about five minutes, guys, and I'll join you. Okay, um, but and I think, if I'm not mistaken, that the people who trained on the planes said they didn't want to know how to land. Wouldn't this been a red flag? You want to know how to take off, but you don't want to have, you don't want to know how to land. Well. Anyway, I just hope we don't forget. I hope, 
I hope that um, when they do teach it in class, that they do show pictures, slides. I know a lot of the networks stopped showing people jumping, which was horrific anyway. Um, I hope to show those slides. They they have to understand what happened to this country. And it could happen again. So. Any else? Well, we have to say the last three presidents have protected us. No, Bush. no, wait a minute. Obama, no, no. There, was terror, there was terrorist attacks during his eight years. Yeah, but there was, there was terrorist uh, What I mean is on American soil. There was nothing on American soil that killed America. Yeah, there was. Um, yeah, there was, Mark. Orlando, Florida, San Bernardino, California. You know, you had these people setting off. Uh, they were suicidal, you know, whatever they called them. But there was eight attacks during his tenure in office. Okay, I'll, I'll concede that point. I'll concede. What I meant is an, an attack, an attack, 9-11 style attack. We, yes, we, we've had shooting incidents and things like that, small, small events like that. But what I'm saying is that the uh, the large scale attack like we had on 9/11 have been stopped by the last three administrations because of the fact that we know what to look for, or they know what to look for when it comes to um, the uh, picking up intel. Now. There, there are people that can say they're blue in the face that we, the government knew that this was going on, that this was going to happen. And honestly, I don't believe that. I don't believe that anyone in the government is so heartless that they will let something like this happen. Even if, even if it wasn't any kind of excuse, I don't believe that, that this, this event was something that was not, that couldn't be stopped at the time. Because I, I honestly don't believe that the intelligence agencies knew to the scale and the exactity of what these people yeah. were trying to do. That's true, because <clears throat> on the National Geographic has been running. Um, hello, Tammy. Um, hello. Has been uh, running specials on 9 11. Of course, they play the. Um, President Bush 9-11 interview, and he even said, he said, he wanted to know, why didn't anybody know? Why didn't anybody tell us? You know, did you know about it? You know, when did you know about it? Yeah. Well, there's always that hindsight 2020. There have, there have been rumors that, that go that decades that the U.S. knew about Pearl Harbor before it happened, before it happened, and they let it happen just so we can go into war. That's ten had that's ten territory for me. And what is it is what happened 
happen. And at this point, we have to, as Americans, make sure it never happens again. And we have we have gone so far from 9-11 to 9-12 and feeling that impact. Now we have we have children who will never understand that day because they were never part of it. We have people who have forgotten that day because it was just too painful for them to remember. We have people who don't remember that day because it doesn't fit their, their political ideology or their motive. What today should be, and honestly, I, I believe that this should be on every channel on the cable box. Have the footage from the alphabet networks that that showed live coverage of all of this happening. Let the people live it again. Because we need to live it again. Because if we don't, it's going to repeat itself. Tammy, would you like to um, tell us where you were or what you were doing that day 19 years ago? Well, as long as I'm not feeding back or anything like that or getting stabbed I'll be glad to. Let me put my seatbelt on. <laughs> I was... Um, in the half bath, putting my makeup on. My son was almost a year old. He was born October 11, 2000. And I was working for a friend of mine who was an attorney who had had a baby about five months before me. And she wanted to go back to work, but she didn't want to put him in daycare, and I didn't want to go back to work and put my son in daycare. So... I went to her house and took care of her son and subsequently her daughter that was born after 9-11. She was very pregnant at the time with her daughter. Um, I was had the TV on, just kind of listening, put my makeup on, and um, they said a plane, I heard them say a plane had hit one of the towers, and I thought it was one of the small planes. Yeah. So... Still had to be at work on time, pretty much, and uh, I went ahead and got ready and threw my son in the car and drove over to Brentwood, and by the time I got there, several people had called me on the phone, and, you know, we were like, this is not an accident. This is not, this is, this is bad. And we literally sat there, I mean, almost all day just standing in front of the TV. watching everything that was going on. Mm. So that's that's what I was doing. Wow. Thank you. It was it was it was um something else for sure. Because yeah. then of course, you know, they started the network started getting um other feeds from other networks that had different feeds of when the planes were actually hitting, you know, hitting the towers. So it was, it was a lot to take in, especially when you, you know, you got a baby that's less than a year old. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing, 
is that, by the way, our team won. Good. Congratulations. Uh, my, team my team didn't win. Uh, we just got beat bad. <laughs> so one of the one of the things I think makes me the angriest about this is that they want to they want to stop uh, footage on TV and stop the they want to stop any reference of 9/11. Um, you know, some people, some bad people did something. Yeah. And I'm I'm not even gonna dignify any of that with any kind of comment. Yeah, some people did something. But I can tell you this, that, you know, I kind of have a unique perspective. And that, you know, I had a front row seat. And over the years, I've had people say, well, it was a hoax or the the Bushes knew about it or the military uh, industrial complex set it up or any number of any number of things that I have heard um, in regards to it. And you know, I come back with I was lucky enough to see the first expression, to see the first reaction of the president when he was told, hey, this plane hit a building. And so the first the first plane when he was told, I think he got told right around 848, 849. It was about four minutes after the plane had hit. And most people felt like it was an accident. And then when news came, probably about 20 minutes later, 15 to 20 minutes later, they had enacted... Uh, what is called uh, national security protocols. And basically when that second plane hit, it was then determined that this was a terrorist attack. Then they didn't know the scope of the terrorist attack. And so various agencies got involved. And, you know, the rest of it's well documented so I won't bore everybody with those details. I will tell you this. I wanted to take a lot of tonight and focus on certain individuals. So the first individual I'm going to focus on, his name is Juan Carlos. Now, Juan Carlos was a firefighter with the Manhattan Station. He he was off that day. And he had heard the radio call come across that they were activating all available emergency personnel. And he grabbed his gear, kissed his wife goodbye, and out the door, and literally ran the two blocks to get to the station. I'm so glad I got to hit the guy that took out Ranson. <laughs> no, I hit him, and he goes, more than more. I hit him once again, and that's like a lot of that quarterback. We saw. Anna was laughing at you. Why? She was laughing at you. Because I went up a guy three times my size and knocked him on. 
Anyway. Where's everybody else? They've already left. Well, I see how it is. <laughs> By the way, for those of you listening, that is my number 44 son that, that uh, got to play football. Would have been two had y'all learned not to hold people. <laughs> anyway, so Juan Carlos, he, he goes into the building. He goes into the towers, and he, he's up, and he starts bringing people out. And he keeps going up, and he's directing people down, directing people down. He's one of the few that are directing people down. Everybody else is directing them up. And then he gets up to approximately the 78th, 79th floor because, you know, the plane is hit just a few few floors above. And he gets caught. And in his last act of valor, he holds the door long enough with his body being seared and burned to allow three ladies to get out, knowing he was going to die. And that is the measure of an American. Not a man, not a woman, but of an American. And so the next ones I want to remember are 40 on flight 93. 40 individuals that took a vote. They knew they were going to die. They took a vote to determine what they did. Do they rush the cockpit or do they let things play out? Well, we can hear based on the recordings what they said and what they done, but it's the phone calls that these people made home that when I got to hear them, I was brought to tears because they're telling their loved ones goodbye. They're telling them that that they must stop this plane because they believe that this plane was headed to the White House. And so they call. And one of the president's lawyers was actually on that uh, flight. And so as they're making these calls, one of the phones are left open. And we hear everybody on this plane getting ready to rush the cockpit. And the last words that we hear before this plane crashes into the ground is by one Todd Beamer. That's true, And he says two words, two and a half if you want to get technical. But he says, let's roll. And these people rush the cockpit and drive this plane into the ground to prevent the White House or the Capitol from being attacked. These people knew they were going to die, but in their last acts, they immortalized their status as Americans. Because not only did they give their life to save others, and that's exactly what they did. But they faced evil and terror in the eye and said, to hell with you. The only thing that would have made it better is if they were chanting USA as they went down. Now, I hear the word hero banted around today, especially in COVID. I've heard Walmart employees are heroes. I've heard the clerk at the grocery store is a hero. No. No. You want to see a hero. You go look at the 9-11 memorial and every name etched in there from every fire company. You want to know a hero, you go look at the names of all the first responders that 
gave their life. You want to You know, if you want to know, you just messing with you. If you want to know what, no. Um, no. Nobody drunk it, dude. Oh, they did. I promise. Yeah, I took a drink out of it, but I can't. Hello, Amanda. No, it's in the bottom. It's under the football. It fell. Oh, you do realize I'm on a recording. Hold on a second. Hello, Amanda. Anyway. This episode of Cuban... Hi, Barbara. Hello. Hello, Bailey. <laughs> Hello. So, here we are. And by the way, I may cut out on you once or twice, but if I do, don't worry, I'll be back on. So, uh, I think I heard Amanda come on here. Amanda, everybody else told where they were on 9-11. You tell where you were. I was about to donate plasma. Where? I was about to donate plasma. Oh, okay. Any particular reason? <laughs> well, what did you think when you had heard that the towers fell or had been hit? Oh, my. Scared. Didn't really know what was going on. And I was strapped, not strapped to a bed, but I I was on a bed with needles in my arm. So, you know, couldn't really get to the news or anything like that. So... All right. Well, there's one piece of good news that I did hear today. Um, that a federal court, I guess they've been fighting this for a long time. Uh, that um, the loved ones wanted to sue Saudi Arabia because the 19 hijackers came from Saudi Arabia. And the court gave go-ahead that the Saudi Arabia, the prince and other high officials of the country are being made to testify because it was reported that Saudi Arabia funded two of the hijackers. 
so the judge has given green light that these people must testify about what they know and do they know it and why did they do it. And we've lost the host. Well, this is a case that, like you said, it's been going on for a long time now. The problem is this yeah. is done in American but federal court. And for the most part, the federal court has no jurisdiction over Saudi Arabia. They can subpoena Saudi Arabian princes all they want. There is no court in the United States that will bring them, that will force them to come in. This is, I hate to say it like this, we're never, those people are never going to see a dime from Saudi Arabia. It may be a, a fact-finding mission to find out how involved the Saudi, the, uh, Saudi government was, but for the most part, there's not going to be any. They'll use it to negotiate for some prisoners or something. <laughs> yeah, they'll probably do that, but for the most part, <clears throat> it's something that the family has done find closure, I'm guessing, but in reality, it's never going to, it's not going to amount to anything because the, the district courts have no authority to extradite and to bring in foreign nationals like that, especially high-ranking foreign nationals. Well, <clears throat> it's a start. <clears throat> it's a start. And... Then we have other good news today that um, President Trump has <laughs> uh, negotiated a um, peace deal with um, between Israel and oh God, what's the name? Bahrain. 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 Thank you. Bahrain. Um, this is true. And of course, now the Atlantic is coming out and say it, saying, calls for the end to Nobel Prize after Trump nominations. Well, bully for you. The Atlantic. A very yeah, he's been nominated yet again. Yeah. I mean, but the, the Atlantic is an ultra-liberal publication. That's also good news. Um, and... I see, um, I see Obama and um, the governor of California have decided that the wildfires are the cause of climate change. So we should yeah, blame Trump on this? <clears throat> oh, they've already blamed Trump. Yeah. So Trump pulled us out of the Paris Trump, Trump wouldn't let them clean out from underneath the trees, and that's what caused the fires. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the reason. And then on well, top of that, 
Governor uh, Luigi Cuomo um, is saying that President Trump is personally responsible for infecting people of New York with COVID-19. I find that very interesting. That's most interesting. Um, Has it been in the state of New York? Yeah. Yeah, President Trump was a carrier and personally went to every household and infected these people. Same before we... There's people out there that would believe it. I know. Um, All right. Let me go back to the first story. Before we we go... I apologize for my delay. Yeah, you should. So, I actually want to pause here because I want Lexi to tell you all what she told me yesterday. So yesterday she comes in talking about uh, her classmates and, and Trump 2020 and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I want her to tell you all the story. Um, well, there's this guy in our classroom that likes Trump and would always say Trump 2020. And so he would, like, go around asking people, do you support Trump? Do you like Trump? Well, um, he asked this one teacher that was our music teacher, and she said no. And then he asked her daughter, because, um... The music teacher's daughters were in our class, but the other one wasn't because family were like twins. And they said no, that they didn't like Trump. And they said that, uh, that he keeps asking people, and with the people that said no, he goes, well, you're a human fat man. <laughs> wow. Well, that they're uh, getting from their parents. They're learning that now, because that's not all the story. For, There's um, more. COVID, we have to have like this big divider up if we want to take off our mask. Well, he folded up that big divider and acted like it was a sign and went, Trump 2020. You're looking at your senior class president, young lady. Well, speaking, speaking of senior <laughs> class president, Bella actually, Bella actually has something she has to tell everybody, too. I'm running for student council, and I was one of the top three with the girls. Yay, congratulations. So she is running her uh, campaign student council. She's running a campaign for student council. Good for you. I wasn't able to help her because she can't afford my fee. Oh, okay. (laughs) Cheapskate. He's always been overpriced anyway. Wow. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> That's so wow. mean. 
I told her for two king size butterfingers and a Kit Kat, I'd give her a winning strategy, but she couldn't afford it. Oh. She said she didn't need you. She had her mama. Oh, yeah. If you want to go through the the wish route, and it will take about two or three weeks to come in, but I will gladly uh, advise you on how to run a successful campaign. Don't fall asleep. (laughs) Mom's putting words inside my mouth. Mark, she said she wants to win. She will win. If she wants to win, then uh, Story and Associates Political Consulting would be the way to go. Please ask Daddy. Can I interject something real quick before we go? did open it and got a piece of two and gave Catalina one. That's fine. calling the other line. Uber. Fabian. Yeah. May I interject something before we go? Of course. Of course. Thank you. That not only should we remember today what happened, but we should also remember that in 2012, we were American. We shouldn't overlook that. No, we should not, and I was going to mention that um, and then got sidetracked with other stuff. Um, What we will do is, this was our 9-11 show, we'll do a regular podcast uh, tomorrow evening. We'll make it short, though, and we'll talk about the news of the week and news of the day. And, uh, yeah, we want to thank everybody for coming on listening to our remembrances of 9-11. And I want to thank everybody for being a part of our audience, both those who contribute each and every week, those that listen, those that download. We certainly appreciate it. And, you know, being able to educate and entertain, too, is why we do this. And to get the message of conservatism and conservative principles out to everybody and for those of you that have been here since day one thank you for those of you that are new welcome aboard Um, if you want to chime in or pitch in all you have to do is call in uh, when we're doing our live show we generally do a live show Saturday night at 8 p.m. East uh, Central and you you can earn your way unmuted to speak. Just remember that this is a family-friendly show most of the time. <laughs> we warn when it's not going to be family-friendly, and we ask that you just show respect and decorum uh, because we do have children participate. 
couple of the rules real quick because I know there's a couple of you that have wanted to comment and participate. Um, we do <laughs> on most do a kitty corner where the kids come in and, and answer questions or give their opinions on things. And just like the adults, they have a right to those opinions and they will be respected on this program. And we certainly appreciate your understanding on that. As I say, you have the right to be wrong on this program. We give you that opportunity uh, to be wrong. So liberals, feel free to come on. We'll be glad to tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> For those of you, <laughs> for everybody else, thank you. Uh, it's always a pleasure to do these shows, to learn, to teach, to uh, interact and engage. And I just wanted to say thank you for making this show actually be as long as it has. For without an audience and without making a difference, this show wouldn't be here. I am the political Superman saying have a good night, everybody. Remember, you've got to stand for something to fall for anything. Freedom isn't free. Thank a soldier for without them. You know what? We wouldn't be able to do this. Thank the families of soldiers for without them, we wouldn't have an all-volunteer army. Thank the first responders, nurses, doctors, people that have been and always will be on the front line, no matter what comes our way, whether it's a natural disaster, whether it's a terrorist attack, whether it's a damn virus from China, you know what? Reach out and thank them. If you live with one, give them a kiss and say thank you. Having said that, have a good night, everybody. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.